Welcome to the Off-Ramps podcast. I'm your host and co-founder of the Off-Ramp, Kristen. We know what it's like to feel helpless when faced with the magnitude of the world's problems. You want to do something about it, but don't know how or where to start. Well, that's why we're here. At the Off-Ramp, our goal is twofold. First, to keep you informed about the ongoings in immigration, migration, and global affairs. And second, to connect you with opportunities to make a real difference in the lives of forcibly displaced people both near and far. Practical and positive change is possible. Let's work together to make it happen. We are back for our July episode with a very, very special guest, Missy Angala um, in Uganda is a longtime friend of yours, mom, right? Yeah, so Missy, remind me, but I guess we've known each other at least 15 years or so. Um, uh, I've known yeah, Missy that. since even before she started working with the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, and um, she worked alongside some of my colleagues uh, for a while in mm-hmm. California, and then uh, most recently has been in Uganda. So yeah, I've known I've known Missy Angala, and she was Missy Ward before she was Missy Angala. So, long history. Yeah, I didn't realize it had been quite that long, actually, so I'm glad I asked the question. Missy, so you are in Uganda today. You're joining us from Uganda, right? Yeah. Where in Uganda Mm -hmm. are you? In Kampala, the capital city. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking time out of your evening um, to join us. But we're really excited to tell people who you are, what brought you to Uganda and um, the people that you that you serve in your work? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work? Sure. So I I've had a passion and interest for working with refugees since I was in college, um, and that passion came through having experienced this call to ministry. Um, but I, for me, when I was experiencing the call, I really God made it clear that. I was supposed to minister amongst those who are most marginalized and neglected, maybe those who fall unloved. Um, and and I really, I think I've always had a passion for those who are on the, on the margin or marginalized. And so when I was in college, taking the various political science classes that I took, I just realized that how, I, I realized just how many people in our world, particularly refugees, were experiencing injustice and and were not having the ability to live into in, in with dignity or the violence that they were experiencing. And so I really had a passion for working with refugees and specifically women and developing an aftercare program for women who have been assaulted and where they're in a country or a place that there wasn't that kind of program. And so this journey led me to seminary and it was actually Nell who I had a conversation with shortly after we met. And I, I asked her, you know, just her advice about, and we, she didn't really know me very well, but I just, just felt connected to her and admired her so much. And I asked her for her advice about how, what, next step I should take. And she advised me to consider seminary. And so I I followed her advice and went to seminary. And while in seminary, I had the opportunity to intern in Uganda for a semester with student.go, which is CBF's student internship program. And during that time, I 
was teaching English at Refuge and Hope. And this was when they were first beginning. Their center was very small. They had maybe 15 students when I arrived and just a few staff. And I was there with another intern and we were there to teach English, but it was just really clear even from the beginning, like our first week, few weeks that there's, our students needed so much more than English. They really were struggling. Um, some of them weren't safe. I had one student in particular who was a very young woman um, who experienced a lot of violence early in her life, growing up as an orphan in a refugee camp after her family fled the genocide in Rwanda. And she managed to come to Uganda when she was about 18, but didn't know anyone, didn't speak the language, and was really, really vulnerable and at risk. So when she arrived, she managed to um, find temporary housing with another family, but as I was tutoring her, she actually came to class one day crying, and she said, this is my last day of class. I, I won't be able to come back and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I just asked her what was going on. And she said, I mean, basically, I don't have a place to go. And she said, teacher, I, she actually wrote me this letter because we couldn't communicate fully in her language. And she said, teacher, I, I really need your help. Um, she said, I have dreams. I want to be able to live, to, to go to school, to be a normal person. But I don't, today I don't have a place to go. And so I, at that time, through my training um, and also experience with working with a domestic violence shelter in the States, I thought, well, first thing, let's, let's refer her <laughs> to an organization that could help her. And unfortunately, there wasn't an organization that was specialized in being able to help a woman in this kind of situation. And there wasn't a shelter for refugee women. So oftentimes women in the situation were trafficked, they were exploited, they experienced abuse. And so God really laid it on my heart that I was supposed to do something and start a new ministry. And so that was actually how Amani Sasa, the vision for Amani Sasa came to be is through this student's story and, and through the lack of resources that were there. So, um, Mom, a question for you, just out of my own personal selfish curiosity. Why did you suggest to Missy that she should go to seminary as her next step, backing up just a little bit in the story? You know, uh, we had lived a lot of years in Africa, and um, especially for those of us, and, and Missy didn't quite fall into this category as, as much as I did, but um, going to Africa with literally nothing but a monocultural view. It is extremely challenging to work through what is faith, what is culture, um, what is nationalism, um, and to, to separate those things out so that then you can be effective as, um, as you work and serve. And I found that seminary um, teaches you how to think teaches you how to separate out various opinions versus philosophies versus what you might consider for you absolutes. Um, and to be able to go with that, those types of tools in hand, um, I felt would prepare uh, better to serve. And frankly, learned that the hard way. I went with only a smattering of seminary um, and was very challenged 
And that was one of the reasons that I later went back to seminary was so that I could learn how to do those things better. Um, I, Missy came from a background not as monocultural as what I came from, um, but nevertheless, being raised in one country, we more often than not are taught to think a certain way. And you have to lay that aside when you are working with people of other cultures and other faiths. You have to not want them to think the way you think, but you've got to learn to think the way they think. And so learning how to do that um, for me was a good exercise. And so that's why I suggested it to Missy. I am actually really grateful that I went to seminary because I, I found my place in ministry. Um, actually, most of my colleagues in seminary were going to work inside of the church, but learning alongside of them, I think it gave me a deeper love and appreciation for the church. And also, I, I just learned so much more <laughs> um, just about the church and 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 my actually my specialty was in Christian ethics and I that was where I really found place like having passion for social justice and and Christian ethics and wanting to do humanitarian work was really where my place was and so I was really grateful for that opportunity. I want you to tell us more about the types of um refugees in Uganda. I think Americans in particular think of refugees as coming from a developing nation to a developed nation. Um, that is not usually the case. Can you tell us about the refugee population there in Uganda? Where are they from and what got them there? Sure. So Uganda is currently hosting over 1.4 million refugees and are, I mean, Uganda is only the size of Oregon. And so it's actually a very, I mean, it's very generous. The, the government of Uganda has been very, very generous and patient. Um, as wars have happened in South Sudan, Congo, and other neighboring countries, the, the government up until the COVID lockdown kept the borders open and, and only shut them at that point was because he shut everyone from coming in. <laughs> so it wasn't just refugees, but I, I found it to be very generous, but no, it's true. Not most refugees would go to a neighboring country first and seeking asylum before they would even be considered um, for, for resettlement. And, and the huge reason there is that the country they're coming from is not safe. Um, they can't stay there. And so they would seek to go to a neighboring country if possible, so that they could at least experience safety. Um, so Uganda is very generous. They are actually one of the top 10 countries for hosting refugees in the world, given the, the, size, the, the size of the country and, and how many refugees they, they host. So our Refugees in Uganda, um, the majority are from South Sudan and Congo, um, but we also have a lot of refugees who are from South, South um, Somalia, Eritrea, Ethiopia, Rwanda, Burundi, but Sudan, um, many, many countries. And in Uganda, it's also a very unique country because refugees aren't only, they're not forced to stay in the refugee camps. Um, in Uganda, refugees are given a lot more rights than other countries. Um, so they, they, for example, as registered in Uganda, are automatically given the right to work. They have the right to, excuse me, to report to the police. They have the right to access 
Ugandan public schools. Um, there's, they still have to pay a fee, as Ugandan families do, but it's a much more reduced fee. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that's incredible for how, ge how generous Uganda has been, how generous the government has been. And so refugees, <clears throat> the majority of refugees in Uganda live in refugee camps, but we work with urban refugees because in Uganda, refugees can move outside of the camps. But once they do, the, they're really on their own. Um, there are only a handful of organizations helping urban refugees in, in Kampala. And so they come into Kampala seeking a better life, seeking more opportunities, seeking um, more job opportunities. But what happens is the cost of living in Kampala is very, very high. Um, and many, many people struggle to afford to live here. And so they end up coming into very vulnerable situations, um, such as being homeless, um, engaging in survival behaviors, such as a lot of women are unfortunately engaged in survival sex just to survive. Um, they often go without food and, and it's just a, a whole <laughs> spectrum of, of challenges. And so that's why our ministry is really seeking to minister to those who are most vulnerable within our refugee community in Kampala. Well, tell us more about that ministry. Tell us more about Amani Sasa. What does the, the name mean and what kinds of programs do you guys offer? So Amani Sasa is in Swahili for Peace Now. And the, the name is actually from the, this idea of like the biblical peace, the word shalom, because shalom means this, this wholeness. And in, Ref, in Kampala, in, or sorry, in Uganda, even though there is peace, um, Uganda is not at war. People are free to, to live. We want refugees to actually experience physical peace. We want them to be safe in their homes. We don't want them to be homeless or vulnerable to exploitation. We also want them to experience emotional peace through healing and transformation. And we also want them to experience spiritual peace, to know that they are created by God, they are loved by God, they have a purpose. And, and for me, one of the most beautiful indications of this transformation that happens and them really coming into this wholeness and, and peace is when they begin to hope again um, and when they begin to dream again. It's, it's amazing. It's just so amazing to witness. So that is why we're called Amani Sasa, because we want refugees to experience peace now, now. <laughs> we want them to be safe now, now. But in that process, going through this, this transformation. So Amani um, Sasa has various programs. Um, our primary entry point oftentimes for refugees is through our emergency services. We also have a full comprehensive program for our women's shelter where residents um, have the opportunity to go through vocational training, they get counseling, they have group therapy, they have discipleship, um, and various other things in the program. Um, but in addition to our emergency services, we have for in-depth trauma healing and rehabilitation programs, which include our, our women's shelter. So in addition to our shelter, which really focuses on ministering to those who, who are those young women who are really, really vulnerable, like my student was 10 years ago, um, we also have a program for young moms who are at risk. So these are moms who are between the ages of usually 15 and their early 20s, um, and they've often been abused or assaulted and come to be pregnant and are extremely vulnerable. 
to various types of exploitation and their children are extremely vulnerable. Um, even in, in Uganda, unfortunately, there's a high maternal mortality rate. And it's because women, even though there are hospitals, um, there just aren't enough doctors and nurses, often in public hospitals. And so a woman might go into a hospital and have no complications in her pregnancy. And, and um, because maybe there's somebody isn't, the doctors and nurses aren't paying as much attention to her because she can't pay, um, oftentimes, well, not often, but there's a much higher rate for the mom to die, which is, for me, an absolute tragedy. And with our moms who are already in these difficult spaces, we want them to deliver their child safely and smoothly. And we are there as a staff and community to support the mom, um, both in the prenatal services as well as the postnatal. In the postnatal services, we provide counseling, we provide vocational training, and discipleship and we also have a nursery program so as the moms come their babies are also safe um, they can play and be and eat um, as their moms also go through healing and transformation and get the education the, the parenting and nutrition classes that they need and so with our moms program we also are trying to prevent early childhood malnutrition. Um, we are also wanting to also prevent any kinds of child abuse. Um, so the more a mom can heal, the usually the safer a child will be. And the more the mom can be transformed and get empowered, the more financially stable they, their family would also be. Mm. Um, we wow. also have a young men's program. And so this is for men who are at risk. The last, for the first years that our, our, our programs were existing, our main focus was on women. Um, but we also came to know through our social work program how at risk men are within our community as well. And so oftentimes these men are coming from homeless situation, maybe addiction, just various kinds of hardship. And they have the opportunity to also experience counseling, discipleship, vocational training, music therapy, and sports. And it's really beautiful to see how God is at work also through that program. Um, just to see these, these men find a safe space to talk about difficult things, to find a community that loves and supports them. Oftentimes they've arrived in Uganda alone and now have this family. And I, it's, it's really beautiful to see God at work through that program and all of our other programs. Um, and then we, we, we also have a, a single moms and widows program. Um, so this is really for moms who maybe are coming from a bit more stable backgrounds, but are living on less than a dollar a day. Um, and these women um, come together, they learn savings, they learn business training, and they then form a, a support group and they continue through that. Um, and in, in addition, we also do counseling with them and they, they're a safe, they provide a safe place for each other to have support to ask each other for prayers, like when a child is sick, if they have their family has an emergency, they are their own safety net because they can go to their group for um, emergency assistance and, and the, or take a loan to expand their business. 
In addition to our trauma rehabilitation programs, we also have a scholarship program for children who are refugees or youth um, to be able to go attend elementary, um, junior high and high school, as well as university. So in a nutshell, those are our, our Wow. <laughs> That's, you know, one of the things I love uh, about Amani Sasa, peace now, now, <laughs> one of the things I love <laughs> is how holistic it is. It's treating, it's saying we want to serve the whole purpose uh, or the whole person. We're not just going to mm -hmm. serve piecemeal. It's going to be the entire individual. And it looks at, and, and I just finished uh, writing a piece that was published today or yesterday with a good faith media about vulnerability and the mm. things that um, the things that make women and children vulnerable, uh, particularly towards uh, human trafficking. Um, so I, I just, I, and as a, as the director of the off ramp, what you're trying to help people do is thrive. You don't mm. want them to just survive. You want them to thrive. And that's, yeah. that's what we're about too. Um, Missy, you reached out to the off-ramp uh, some time ago, um, and can you just tell our listeners what you saw in the off-ramp and Threads by Nomad that you thought, hey, maybe we could work together? Yeah, I've been a big fan since you all started. I mean, I think it's so cool that, I mean, I think our, with the off-ramp, that's our goal as well, is that we don't want refugees to only survive, we want them to thrive. and. And part of that is financially having jobs, having income. And so I really love this idea of providing opportunities for refugees to be able to have living wage income so that they can support themselves, so that they can have what their family needs in order to really to thrive. Um, I also have loved <laughs> the Threads by Nomad's beautiful pieces that you all, I follow you all on social media. <laughs> so I love those updates of like the cool, beautiful things that are coming out. And I really love that you all are partnering with organizations throughout the world um, because I, I, I do think it's beautiful that we can be a community to one another um, because our organizations are not just I mean I think they're so interconnected to the point where a refugee who maybe fled from say Congo arrived in Uganda and maybe now lives in Houston. Missy used a word there a phrase there let me explain what that is the refugee highway um, we, we know that as people are fleeing countries, they, as Missy explained earlier, they tend to go to nearby countries, but then they will often try then to make their way to another country where they feel like they might be more stable. And so we say they travel the refugee highway, depending on what country they're leaving. You know, maybe they make their way across part of the Middle East or North Africa and then maybe into Europe or maybe a certain pathway through South America, Central America and up into the United States. So that's what we call the refugee highway. Well, I have to tell you, see, since we've been um, letting people know about the program and I want you to tell them about it, um, we've shown pictures of some of the baskets already. Mm -hmm. And I have a waiting list. I have people who are saying, when are you going to get these baskets? So could you just explain to our listeners um, how we're partnering and the, the program that we are partnering in? Yes. So we, this year, wanted to start a new vocational training initiative um, just to 
our main vocational training initiatives with women have been hairdressing because it's a very practical skill. Um, but what we have found is that um, there have also been challenges with women being able to, to receive like a steady income. So with Amani Sasa, we wanted to start to help women start their own small businesses through training. And we chose baskets because they're beautiful. <laughs> they're so they're so beautiful, and there aren't as many organizations, even in Kampala, that are are making them and selling them. And we have all, always sold out of our baskets whenever we brought them to the U.S. And so we wanted to provide a, a, a new training initiative um, through using a local craft to be able to for, that they would be able to sell in Kampala, but also um, that we would potentially be able to sell in the U.S. And we are so grateful that you all had interest in originally maybe doing purchasing some of the baskets that the ladies were making. But during the lockdown, our refugee community really, really suffered. And so in March, beginning in March, um, for three months, Uganda had 34 restrictions um, that pretty much locked us down, prevented a lot of people from working, from traveling. And the goal for the government was that they wanted to protect more people from getting COVID. Um, but what happened as a result, and this is what we're still experiencing, is that refugees really, really suffered. They didn't have food, they didn't have income, they didn't have a way to sell their products. They maybe used their capital that they had um, in order to feed their families, at least to survive the next to the next day. And so as Amani Sasa, we have provided a lot of emergency assistance and humanitarian relief during that time. But we knew that, and we know that that emergency assistance, such as like an emergency food bag, it only lasts a few days. Um, it only, I mean, not a few days, but it only lasts a short time. Um, but it would not be able to provide food for, you know, the remaining months that they need. And so I was so grateful um, for the opportunity for, to partner with Threads by Nomad. Sorry, to partner with the off-ramp um, and Threads by Nomad. Um, I was so grateful for you all offering an opportunity to apply for a grant. Um, this grant that we have received, it's providing basket training to eight refugee women who are enrolled in our program. They have been trained, I mean, they are, have resumed their training um, and they love it. They, I mean, it's so exciting to me to see these women come to the office and they're so excited to learn and their trainer is so, so sweet. She's an older Ugandan woman named Elizabeth and is just a sweet, sweet person and our girls really connect with her. Um, these women are all coming from very vulnerable at-risk backgrounds. Um, they've gone through, they've experienced transformation and a, a, a level of healing, but they, really struggled with being able to have income or a steady job or steady work. And so this training is providing them the opportunity to learn a skill that they can use to make their own crafts, um, which we can help purchase, which they can also sell locally in Kampala. Um, and we are so, so deeply grateful for this opportunity because it's helping these women be able to, to go through this, this training. Um, one of our goals with the training is also that we would love for 
at least one or two of these women to also become trainers. Um, so that's something that we're looking forward to in the future after they complete their training, probably in the next two months. Um, and beginning next week, we'll also have a new group of moms um, joining them. I, not socially distant, so they'll actually be in different rooms, but they'll also be <laughs> starting to learn basket training. One of the things that we really appreciate as well, and as you and I began visiting about what this would look like, um, because uh, as I said earlier, we really like the holistic approach. It's not just that they're getting trained to weave baskets. You offer mentoring while they're going mm -hmm. through this. You help them understand budgeting and savings. Mm -hmm. um, and then we did mention that, you know, hopefully a couple of these ladies will actually become trainers themselves. Um, but then the next phase of the grant will be for each woman to actually receive um, a, a, a small uh, loan to or grant to begin her business. Um, so we just appreciate how comprehensive the program is. And, and it's okay to say the off-ramp and Threads by Nomad because it, it is both. Uh, one of the advantages for having a nonprofit and a for-profit is that Threads by Nomad will be able to help market um, these items here in the United States. So um, we're very appreciative of all this. Thank you, Missy. Thank you. You mentioned the really dire situation uh, among the refugee po population there in Uganda during COVID. What have been some other consequences of the lockdown that you've seen in your area? Um, and how might it look different there than sort of the experience that the average American is having? So I, I would say as an American living here, a huge difference that I see is that there isn't a, a government welfare system. Um, I'm really grateful that there is a welfare system in the U.S. because I think that um, Americans at least have some kind of support, but in Uganda there isn't. And so what we saw during the lockdown is that families would share with one another what they had. If their neighbors were not eating or and they had food, they would share. As a, our family, we personally delivered a lot of emergency food. Packs. My husband even on his motorcycle in the rain day on days just to be able to, to feed our refugee families. Um, but a huge consequence that we see now is the aftermath of the lockdown is we, on average, before lockdown, we would have maybe five to 10 families coming to our office per day for emergency assistance. The last two Mondays, we've had over 200 families coming to our office seeking emergency assistance. And um, that has, is a huge increase in numbers. Um, there are organizations that UNHCR partners with here um, in Kampala, and they're not open. Um, and so there's only a few organizations working with refugees who are open, and people are really, really desperate. So as an organization, we are still seeking to provide as many families with emergency food as we can, um, as we have funds for, and also helping as many people access medical care and, and emergency rent. What has also happened alongside of the lockdown has been that the Lake, lake Victoria, which is a, a huge lake, it touches Kenya, Tanzania, and Uganda, um, but Kampala also borders the lake. So 
their, the water levels for Lake Victoria have risen to the highest it's ever been. And so there has also been flooding of communities, um, particularly those who are living in some area, in certain slum areas in Kampala. And so it's been a really bad mix. Um, but a huge difference between what our families are experiencing here and what Americans are experiencing is that there is no social safety net at all. Um, so we as the Manisasa are trying as much as we can to be at least somewhat of a, so a safety net as, for us to help as many families as we can. Um, so our criteria of vulnerability has also changed because now, in, like before we were looking at who is the most vulnerable, now it's vulnerable to the extreme vulnerable is where our spectrum is. And so it's, it's, a very, it's been a very challenging season for ministry. The way that I like to end these podcasts and maybe in light of everything that um, Ugandans are experiencing right now, this is more difficult, but I really believe that we can always find hope, that we can always find hope even in the most dire situations. Where most recently have you found hope? Um, I, <laughs> so as a director of our organization and as someone who like really, I just have such a passion for helping as many people as we can. Um, I have personally been very overwhelmed with the amount of need, um, particularly in the last few months um, as our office has been open with how many families are coming just desperate. And for me, where I have hope is how, like even just giving this food, <laughs> that delivering this food that can only last, you know, a short time, maybe a week or 10 days, how grateful families have been. Um, some of the families have shared, you know, this is the miracle we've been praying for. We, we thank you so much through, through you. I experience God's love. God really remembers me. God cares for me. Um, just this small, simple gesture. It has made such a huge difference to our families because to them, and what I've come to realize especially recently that to them it's so much more than the food it's that they're cared about and remembered that they're not alone in this struggle um and even another example is at our offices as we have sought to minister to the families coming in seeking emergency assistance it's been all hands on deck <laughs> All of our staff have tried to, to help. So we were bringing water and, and trying to attend to them as quickly as possible. And I had a conversation actually with some of our staff. And I, I actually said, I just feel like we're not doing enough. And one of our staff said, and she's a refugee. Um, she graduated from our shelter program three or four years ago. And she said, no, for refugees for that I've talked to, they just say thank you for welcoming me. Thank you for bringing me more. Thank you for just paying attention to me because at other organizations, not at Refuge and Hope, but there have, there have our organizations um, that where refugees are chased away, where they're experienced very like harsh words. And, and for me, that, that was hope because 
even if we can't, we can't provide assistant, emergency assistance to everyone, at least we can be the hands and feet of Christ to everyone by welcoming them, not, not as a stranger, but as our neighbor and doing all that we can um, and trusting that God will do what we can't um, because for sure it's a situation that's out of our hands. And I, I think that's also in our lives of God has called us to do what we can and, and trust God with the rest. And so that has, on a daily basis is my mantra these days of I can do what I can. God, you do what you can. And, and we're in this together. Um, and I am so grateful. We have such an amazing staff who minister alongside of us and they also give me hope and they yeah um so i i even in this these difficult circumstances we are having reminders of of god's hope on a daily basis thank you for sharing that i can only imagine that in hearing your story and all of the incredible work that you're doing our listeners are going to want to connect with you and are going to want to support amani sasa beyond just purchasing the baskets that we will eventually have to offer how can they find you and how can they support you sure so we have a website um the website is www.amanisasa.org and i know the spelling might be a bit challenging so i'll spell it <laughs> you might be wondering how what the word so it's a-m-a-n-i S-A-S-A. -S -A. Um, we also have Instagram, and so you can follow us at Amani Sasa UG. Um, and we also are on Facebook if you wanted to connect with us there. We have, we, we post regular ministry updates. And in fact, um, we're going to be posting a photo today of our, our new shelter therapy dog, which we just picked up today. Um, and she's just arrived at our shelter. And so if you want to see those kinds of photos, you can go to our Facebook page. Awesome. Well, um, we're right around the time where I try to wrap these up. I cannot tell you how much hope you've given me today and knowing that you and people like you are doing the work that you do. Um, it has just, it has, it has really given me personally a lot of hope. So um, a very personal thank you. And then a thank you from uh, the off-ramp and Threads by Nomad to just be a part of your work in a small way is an honor. Um, Mom, did you have anything else you'd like to say here as we wrap it up? No, let's just hope that things uh, do calm down where the pandemic is concerned and that we can make that trip in November. Yeah, we hope so. We would love to have y'all. We can't wait. And our community can't wait to meet you. Awesome. And thank you so much for allowing me to, to be a part of y'all's wonderful work as well. It is, it's an honor for, for us, and it, it is making a huge difference already. Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, I'll be sure to include all of the ways to reach out to Missy and her group at Amani Sasa in the show notes. Um, please get in touch with them, support them in the ways that you are able. Clearly, they are doing good, good, and needed work. Um, Missy, we are grateful for you. We're grateful for our listeners. And um, here's to just keeping an eye out for all the hope we can find. Thanks for listening to the Off-Ramps podcast. If you were inspired to act during this conversation, you can find us and learn more at theofframp.org 
or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Helplessness and hopelessness do not have to define your future or the world's. Become a change maker today.